All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode three. Today we are talking about recovery, most specifically recovery from your workouts. But this can also relate to stress recovery from a day at work, a traumatic event, and many other things. So recovery is a hot topic right now and we're hoping to really break this down for you because if you're not recovering, why are you even working out? Yeah. So proper recovery is really being able to balance an exercise plan with your recovery plan as well. So incorporating these recovery activities are just as important as working out. You really want to see a balance between what we call working out where you're actually expending or using energy from your body versus working in where you're actually increasing energy within. That can be something like 
you know, Qigong or Tai Chi yoga, something a little more gentle where you're still technically exercising, but you're actually gaining energy in the body. So you really want to see a balance between the working out and working in. But for us, recovery is also your ability to really meet or exceed performance in some activity. So every workout should be better than the previous one. You know, if you're overtraining by not recovering properly, you're really wasting your time and you're not going to see results, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a really great point. So to follow up from our sleep episode, there's a really strong connection between getting the right amount of sleep and the body's ability to undergo protein synthesis and muscle repair. So if you're breaking down your muscles while you're working out, there has to be space and time for these muscles to repair. And a lot of that happens during sleep, but also just happens between workouts. After your workout, we need to figure out how much time needs to happen between workouts and Also, if you did not hear our sleep episode, go back because a lot of the recovery happens in sleep. When we sleep, our bodies create amino acids, which build muscle, and we also create growth hormones, which keep your muscles active and healthy. So if we're not getting the production of those two things from sleep and proper recovery, then your muscles are not going to be functioning optimally. They're not going to be growing optimally. They're not going to look as good. It's really hard to show up to a workout if you're tired, fatigued, or or too sore because you really put yourself through it the day before. But there's also a huge mental component to that, right? I know Renee can chime in on this, but being motivated to do your workout is a whole other topic. I think if you're tired, you're probably not motivated to work out. So if your brain didn't get that detox and cleansing overnight that we talked about in the sleep episode you're mentally not going to be as sharp or as focused when you show up to the gym. So we need the muscle repair, but we also need the brain repair. So all these factors show up so that you're ready to do that workout again. And there's so much positive effect that sleep can have on your workouts, but we also have to find our own boundaries here. Like no amount of sleep is going to compensate for overtraining. If you're sleeping 10, 11 hours a night, wow, I'm impressed because I can't do that. But there's no amount of sleep that's going to, to fix your, your overtraining or, or too much exercise. So we can very clearly see that there's a lot of detrimental effects from overexercising. And we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. And I think before we dive into that, a really important concept for everyone to understand is how the autonomic nervous system works. It's pretty simple. You want to just think of it as two parts. We have our sympathetic nervous system and our parasympathetic nervous system. It's just two and you want to keep them in balance. Unfortunately, most people are more in the sympathetic state uh, throughout the day. Sympathetic, you want to think of as our fight or flight response. So it's this catabolic state. It's what's activated during a workout, a really stressful day. We have an increase in heart rate, increased blood flow to your muscles, which allows you to write fight or flight. So it's really this like acute short-term situation. Your body thinks it's an emergency. This is also necessary because if you think really back at human history, we really needed this when we had a saber-toothed tiger chasing us, or maybe we were running after our dinner. Like it is a very necessary component to our health. We just need to find that balance because if we have sympathetic dominance, then we see this cortisol dysregulation, weight gain, especially in the belly, right? The cortisol belly, and then also insomnia and so many other health issues. So that's the sympathetic state. On the other hand, we have parasympathetic. You want to think of this as your rest and digest. It's this anabolic state. 
We have a decreased heart rate, more blood flow to the organs, which really supports good digestion. It allows for muscle repair, strength building. We see an increase in all of our hormones, especially the sex hormones, which are necessary for reproduction, which is really interesting to think about. Like, you probably don't want to be reproducing when you're in this sympathetic fight or flight state, right? That doesn't really make sense for human. I don't know if you can, right? Do your bodies allow that? Right. I mean, that's a huge cause of infertility, just being stressed, right? Which is actually a really good thing because your body's like, okay, it might be a famine or we don't know what's going on. Let's not reproduce. It's not a good time. Multitasking. Like our bodies can't effectively multitask. Your organs cannot multitask, right? Exactly. Exactly. So that's really your parasympathetic and sympathetic. And we want to just make sure we're balancing that. So sympathetic, think more high intensity, interval training, exercise, all that parasympathetic is your recovery time. So all those other things we're going to get into today. So good thing to know. I love that. And I just want to say, I feel bad for the saber-toothed tiger. I feel like he's really gotten a bad rap recently where everyone's talking about evolution and this fight or flight thing. And the the example that always comes up is the saber-toothed tiger. So apparently we were only being chased by saber-toothed tigers. And no I know. I don't know how that started that we like wanted to always talk about that. I don't know if it was the paleo movement or... I'm sure more what? things tried to kill us and eat us other than the I mean something about saber tooth is just terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> so I guess it's it's the perfect <laughs> example. But I think that was a really great way to explain the nervous system, Renee. So we're just trying to find homeostasis. We're trying to find balance between the two. And I just want to remind everyone that stress isn't always negative. We've mentioned this before, but I know that's a hard one for our brains. <laughs> it's hard to wrap our minds around this. But Stress is positive and negative. Exercising is stressful to the body. No matter what you're doing, it is a stressor. But if you do it correctly and it's balanced with proper recovery, it becomes a positive stressor or what we like to call eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, or a beneficial stress. So the, the person is experiencing benefits from being stressed. So it's all about balance. Again, finding that sweet spot, making sure you're doing optimal exercise, optimal recovery, so you can wake up and do it again the next day. Yeah. And so if we dive a little bit deeper into what really happens when you over-exercise or when you're under-recovered, a little bit of the science here. So we know that it actually depletes your bone-building nutrients. So when you're in a stress state, your body is using more nutrients. It's excreting them much faster. So we see this especially for like the B vitamins and magnesium, which is why those are typically in these kind of anti-stress formulas. Because we deplete these nutrients and it weakens our bones, and then we are at an increased risk for stress fractures, among many other things. And I personally experienced that. I'll share that later. What else do we see? We see muscle fatigue. So that increases your risk for injuries, right? If you go to the gym and your muscles are not fully energized and ready to go, you're going to be more likely to get injured which is obviously not a good thing. Um, We also see a decrease in hormones, especially the ones that help with increasing muscle mass, which I'm pretty sure is why we're at the gym, right? (laughs) So we see this decrease in especially human growth hormone and testosterone. And without those, we can't gain the muscle that we want. So again, you're wasting your time in the gym if you're over-exercising. Can I just chime in that women do need testosterone and human growth hormone as well? I think there's a myth that that's more male related, but women do need those things. Oh, yes. Really good point. And also another thing about human growth hormone is you need to be sleeping to get the secretion. 
So again, sleep. <laughs> we also see an increase in inflammation when we're overexercising, and we can even see this on your lab work. So if like your C-reactive protein or your IGF-1 come back elevated, we know there's inflammation in the body, which obviously could come from so many different places, but quite often we see it just from overexercising. And inflammation, again, is tied to pretty much every chronic illness out there. <laughs> also hypothyroidism, which is on the rise. It seems like every woman I meet is like, oh, I'm hypothyroid. You know, it's always happening now. But overexercising can do that too. And then this is a really interesting thing. As more people are going gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, everything free, it's like everyone has all these food sensitivities. And there's obviously a lot of causes for that. And especially this issue with leaky gut or intestinal permeability. But actually post-exercise, we see a little bit of this like temporary leaky gut. And that's especially why glutamine can be really helpful post-exercise. So we have this like temporary leaky gut, but your body should be able to heal that pretty quickly. But when you're over-exercising, you never get a break from that. And then that can lead to a long-term leaky gut. And then that leads to more food sensitivities. So you might be reacting to more than just you know one or two foods. And then the final thing we really see is immune suppression. So we talked about this a lot in the sleep episode, but again, it's going to suppress your immune system and then you're going to get sick more often, which is no fun. And then that's going to lead to less time in the gym anyways. Yeah, those are really awesome points. And I love that you brought up the leaky gut thing because I think a lot of people work out so that they can eat more, which to each his own, okay, like I'm a foodie, you're a foodie, we like food, we want to enjoy our lives. But yeah, with the increase in food sensitivities, it's so interesting that people are not considering what they're putting in their mouths right after they work out because you are much more vulnerable and sensitive. And just as, as an example, I do like CrossFit and I like CrossFitters, but I just think it's funny when CrossFitters are like trying to make muscle gains and they're the first to like throw a donut back after their workout, which is highly inflammatory. Like that is not... <laughs> the correct source of carbs. And we're going to get more into post-workout nutrition, but that is a huge topic, this leaky gut thing. So thanks for bringing that up. Sure. Um, and yeah, inflammation is huge. And if you want to go down this rabbit hole, just go on Google, Google body inflammation. I think a lot of people just think my muscle is sore or, I, or I'm experiencing an injury. So there's inflammation. Inflammation is everywhere in your body, like Renee said. and if we're going to really get into recovery and have your muscles repair and grow, we have to talk about inflammation. Recovery is allowing your body to ignite the natural healing powers and the inflammatory process. So inflammation is a positive thing, just like stress can be positive or negative. Inflammation can be really positive and your body knows how to do it on its own. So we have to trust our body and support our body's natural healing abilities to go through that. And if we can get rid of inflammation, whether it's brain inflammation, gut inflammation, nervous system inflammation, like it's literally everywhere. If we can get rid of that inflammation, we burn fat, which brings us to our topic on how it makes you hotter. If you're inflamed, you're going to be fat. You're just not going to look cute. So let's control the inflammation. I know you've all seen naturally skinny people and we're I think most of us are convinced like those people can't really be healthy, right? Like they're just born with those genes. They're, you know, they still eat crap, but I know they look good, but they're not really healthy, right? Yeah. It's because they're inflamed and they're actually fat on the inside. Yeah. You don't want to be skinny fat or tofi. Have you heard of tofi? 
I love Tofi. You mentioned that before. <laughs> Thin outside, fat inside. Thin outside, fat inside. Yeah, which I'm sorry, but some amazing. some marathon runners kind of look like that. Like if you've seen kind of a yeah. marathon runner where like from the outside, they're like, wow, their legs and arms are really skinny, but actually they have a ton of like inflammatory causing fat around their organs inside. Yeah. So we're trying to make you hot from the inside out. So let's decrease the inflammation. Let's help your body to naturally burn fat. So then you don't have to obsess over every little thing that you eat. This is all about building a good foundation and finding balance and homeostasis. Your body can do it on its own. Like your body is so smart. We just have to empower you to learn how to support your, your body to do this on its own. And really this is for everyone. Again, I think we, we tend to say that in every ads for everyone, but I mean, professional athletes are definitely tuning into this, right? We see a lot of them doing cryotherapy and acupuncture and cupping, all these recovery activities, and they're sleeping 11, 12 hours a night. But it's not just for them. It's for even the people that are like weekend warriors. So maybe you're sitting at the office on your butt Monday to Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, you go try and run a 10K. Okay, that's not necessarily a good idea either. But really, everyone wants, should be looking at this. And especially with how stressed people are, you know, I always recommend like, look at your week ahead and see what are the best days to work out. If you say like, okay, Tuesday is going to be a really insane, stressful day at work, probably not the best day to go do a CrossFit class. Really, everyone needs to be looking at this. Yeah, absolutely. What's your experience, Renee? What have you learned from your own recovery? Well, I used to really think it was all about calories in, calories out, right? Kind of like you said, some people work out just so they can eat more, but I was working out more and then eating less. I I don't know. It was a crazy mindset I had. But so I would work out like seven days a week and then also restrict my calories. I remember even going to the gym at like eight o'clock at night And then I would go home and not eat dinner and go right to bed. Oh, no. So stupid what I was doing. But at a young age, what I ended up doing was I landed a jump wrong in ballet class and I ended up with two stress fractures in my SI joint, which at the time we were like, that's so strange. How did that happen? But looking back, I think, again, I had just depleted all those bone building nutrients. My bones were so weak that just one wrong jump and boom, two stress fractures. It was like your body was waiting for that to happen. Yeah. And then guess what happened next? I had to take an entire year off of all physical activity. I mean, no dance, nothing, which I went from seven days a week to not being able to do anything for a year. So again, I mean, any injury, it's not worth it. You think like, let me just work out a ton right now. But if you get injured, you're off for weeks, months, a year or more. And then you really don't see results. So that was kind of my experience. And I've learned the importance of recovery over the last few years. Not a lot of benefit in extremes, right? And that's so hard. We always say like, oh, we're over here, but we want to be over there. So let's just get from A to B as fast as possible. Or we think something is black and white. It has to be on or off, but we're trying to find the middle ground. Right. So how did you experience this, Lauren? I mean, I've gone through periods of time where I was over-exercising and I definitely, I want to say in college is probably the low point where I really was sort of afraid that if I took a day off or like had one bad meal that like all of my efforts would be destroyed 
or that if I took a day off from working out, then whatever I ate that day would like immediately be turned to fat and I would gain weight. Like I wasn't trusting my internal systems to find that balance. It was very much like in the moment, this is the result. It's black and white. And so I wasn't listening to my body. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of biohacking. Again, listening to your body and, and trying to take in the information and the, and the data to understand like, is this the best option for me right now? Am I making the best choices? Also, I really just like to work out and I almost get made fun of for this sometimes. Like people really don't understand when I say, no, I want to go to the gym. Like I, I enjoy it. I, I'm empowered by it. And it's not about like trying to lose weight or trying to look better. It's just a feeling. I don't know if it's endorphins or if I like the routine of it, but so there's days when maybe I am not recovered and I'm I'm speaking from experience, like where I haven't been recovered, but I wanted to wake up and go to the gym. And that's sort of like the crucial point where I have to go, okay, I want to do this. I feel motivated to do this, but let me look at all of the other input for my body Am I recovered? What's happening with my muscles, my brain, my sleep, all of these things that we're talking about? And is this the best thing for me in this moment? Like you have to be honest with yourself. And I think my journey is that I haven't always been honest with myself because I haven't trusted my body to do what it's best at. Like we think that we can outsmart our bodies by you know, taking in these new methodologies or, you know, taking on a fad diet or trying to take on someone else's diet, trying to do what someone else is doing, which is not going to work for you. We have to find our own unique code. So trusting, experiencing, I mean, making the mistakes to figure out what works and what doesn't work. That's really, that's the biohacker way. And that's why we're here today. So yeah. Can I just chime in? I think like you said, finding what you enjoy at the gym. I mean, Lauren, I think you were a little different in the way that you've always been such an active person. I mean, mom and dad have always told me these stories of when you were like two years old, you were swinging from the railings at a restaurant or like jumping around on the monkey bars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was <laughs> climbing up walls. I think I climbed out of my crib. You did a, a couple times. I think that's probably why mom like wasn't able to sleep as a mother and I think she still worries about us to this day. It's probably because I traumatized her because I was sneaking out of my <laughs> crib. Because I don't know, I was like excited to explore, I, I guess. I, I don't have a clear memory of that. But that's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like a, a natural <laughs> instinct for me. Okay, so how do you know if you're recovered? We can go through some general guidelines. Again, you have to sort of explore this for yourself. But let's just say in general, if you're not sleeping minimum seven hours, I guess the range would be seven to nine hours, you're probably not recovered. And there's a lot of professional athletes that sleep like up to 12 hours, which sounds crazy to me, but that's how they're recovering. I mean, they're at the top of their performance. So again, this is personal. Figure out what works for you. General guidelines, seven to nine hours. Renee and I like to use our aura ring. This is really where the aura ring shines best is telling you if you're recovered. It, when you wake up in the morning, it gives you a number or a rating. It sort of like rates your, your sleep. And so we'll have a very clear definitive guide as to what we should do 
that next day. If your score is very low, sometimes I can say things like you're not properly covered. You've been working out a lot this week, or maybe you haven't been getting great sleep, like take a day off, go a little slower today, which is really helpful to hear that encouragement. Or sometimes it'll be like in the nineties and it's like, you're nailing it, really go for it today. And I love that because that's motivating in so many ways. Because ideally, we would like to be able to ask our bodies and just intuitively know, but I think it's really helpful to have quantitative data in regards to this. So it's taking in all of these different factors. It's taking your morning heart rate. It's taking your heart rate variability. It's taking your respiratory rate. All these factors to sort of do its own equation and come out with this magical number that's going to guide your day. So cannot talk about the aura ring enough. I love it. This has been really helpful to me on those days where I'm like, I really want to work out, but maybe I should listen to this or it at least makes me hit the pause button and go, okay, I need to really tune into my body and figure out if this is how I should be running my day. Number three, so measuring your morning heart rate. If you don't have an aura ring, this is something you can do at home. Take your morning heart rate. Like first thing when you wake up in the morning, before you get out of bed, you can listen to your radial pulse for 60 seconds, write it down. I would do that every single morning at the same time for about three weeks. And then you just want to notice any outliers. So we can look at seven beats or more is abnormal. So any outliers would indicate to you that you are not optimally recovered. That's great. And to just add a little bit more with the HRV testing, like you said, with the aura ring. So to get back to basics, so HRV is heart rate variability testing. I actually find a lot of people aren't familiar with this testing, but it is super fascinating. So it's literally looking at the variation between each heartbeat. I think a lot of people think like, oh, your heart just beats like the same every minute, right? But no, there's actually variations that these types of technology can pick up. So the Aura Ring is actually doing this kind of testing throughout the night, but then you can also just do an HRV test in the moment. So by looking at the variation between the heartbeat, you can see how stressed or how recovered your body is. Yeah, and it's also actually telling you if your nervous system branches are balanced. You talked about parasympathetic versus sympathetic. It's actually measuring the variability and and indicating if the branches are both functioning, right? Again, it's about the balance between the two. Exactly. Yeah, and so even if you don't have an aura ring, you can do something as simple as download the app Elite HRV. And then if you have a chest strap that connects to your phone, you just need maybe five minutes in the morning to test your HRV. But again, similar to testing your heart rate, I would try and do it every morning, same time of day. If you are laying down, make sure you're always laying down or sitting up, whatever, just keep it consistent. And then after a week or two, you'll get a lot of really good information. So that's a cheaper way to do that. And then on top of that, you could also look at your body temperature in the morning. For a lot of women, I know you're doing this to track your cycle, but again, any extreme variations in body temperature could mean you're not recovered. But for women, obviously the start of your cycle, and then when you're ovulating, you are going to see a drastic change in temperature. But other than those two days, you should see a pretty consistent temperature every morning. Also, are you hydrated? This is a really easy test to know if you're hydrated. Just look at your urine. I know, super fun. So easy. You just tip your head right down. Yeah, like how can you miss that? You want it to be this like very pale yellow color. If it ends up being darker, you're definitely not hydrated. If it's completely clear, you could actually be drinking too much water, which is not a super common thing, but it can happen. So definitely watch out for that. 
And that's your first trip to the bathroom in the morning, right? You're not looking at like after you clear the first one. Yeah. I mean, I still pay attention throughout the day, but I do take into consideration like did I take B vitamins or did I eat something that could change the color? Like you definitely- Oh yeah, I've experienced that like neon color. (laughs) Oh yeah, thanks B vitamins, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, as long as you're considering that, it's all good. But then you can also look at hormones. I know this is a little more technical, but you can look at cortisol and testosterone levels to see if you're over-exercising. And then the final thing is, do you feel like you're getting sick? Do you have a headache? nausea, fatigue, low appetite between training sessions. All of these are really gentle signs from your body saying that you're overtraining. So just being a biohacker and tuning into how you feel can be incredibly informational. I just want to say, I know a lot of people that when they get sick, they're like, I don't care that I'm sick. Like I'm going to go work out anyways. Like I'm going to fight through it. That is the last thing you should be doing. Yes. There's something to be said for like movement and getting blood flow when you're fighting something, but don't just be like, I'm going to ignore the feelings and go hit my workout because I plan that. And if I don't go, I'm not going to stay on this path to my goals. We have to get that out of our heads. Getting sick often is like the number one sign that you are not recovering. And also performance should always be increasing. If you're not progressing and getting stronger, if you're going to the gym and you're always lifting the same weights, you're always doing the same, I don't know, push-ups and squats and nothing's really changing something's off. Like we need to dig a little bit deeper and see what's missing because you should be progressing. There should be like a stair stepping that's happening and fatigue is okay. We just need to figure out how much. And again, just making sure that the recovery is optimal for you because it's not going to be the same between me or you or the next person. Okay. So there's this debate controversy of no pain, no gain, which is a very common myth that you need to be in the gym six to seven days per week to get results. Actually, is do people still think this? Is this really? I think so. And I know this is an extreme case, but I went to an Orange Theory fitness class last year in LA, and I met this guy that was doing two classes a day, seven days a week, and he had been doing that for three months. Absolutely not. That. Yeah, he was serious. I mean, he had lost... 15 pounds in like two months, but there's just no way he's still doing that. Yeah. I mean, cause a lot of people go because it's fun and it's a community. I think group exercise does that really well and it brings people together. And obviously there's the endorphin effect, but that is just so extreme. I think that's a death sentence and there's no way he's still doing that. I would put money on that. Oh yeah. That's not possible. And my question to you as a trainer is if you're able to do two of the same workout within the same day, like, are you really pushing yourself hard enough in that first workout? Yeah, I don't really have scientific evidence to back that up, but I am going to say with all of my heart and wisdom that no, that you're not effectively stressing the system and and breaking down muscle tissue if you're able to turn around and do it again. I just think that's a waste of time. I mean, if you have all day long to be spending in the gym, cool, fun for you. If you are able to hang out with your friends that way. I know I have so many other things that I want to do in my day. As much as I love working out, I'm all about efficiency. And if we're trying to match recovery time to the amount of time you're spending working out, you're just really adding up all of that recovery debt. 
So you're not only increasing your workout time, but you're increasing all the time you're gonna have to spend unwinding what you've done to your body. So just to come back to the no pain, no gain, like pain is is an alarm system in your body. It's your body's way of saying like, hey, be careful. You're pushing the boundaries. Something is about to go wrong. And that's not something to work through. That is like a notification that you get on your phone. Like, hey, let's <laughs> check in. Yeah, professional athletes work out four to five hours a day, but that's their job and they're sleeping up to 10 hours a night. You want to be healthy and hot, you do not have to kill yourself, especially if you're not getting paid millions of dollars to do it. And yeah, I've, if you want to pay me millions of dollars, I will work out that hard and sleep all night. Like, <laughs> Oh, sure. We can start this conversation all over again. Show me oh, money. Gosh. But no. I have personally found way more success in working out less. Like I used to work out at a studio that required... Gosh, like at very minimum, 60 minutes of intense cardio and weight training every single day. And I felt like crap. And like short term, sure, my body looked good. But as time went on, I realized it was really backfiring. It was getting harder to recover. It was getting a cortisol belly. It was harder to see the effects from eating healthfully or making the same choices that were made before and had a good effect. Like everything just started to reverse. And when I stopped doing that, when I started doing way less, I started feeling amazing. I've never felt better, really. So now I don't work out hard or like intensely more than three, like maybe four times a week. And that works so well for me. And I've also seen this work wonders for my clients. You know what? They all feel amazing too. You do not have to spend every single day at the gym unless you're really going kind of easy and you're showing up because it's social and it makes you feel good. There's definitely something to be said for that. But if you're trying to find results and change your body, pull back. Less is more, I promise. Yeah, I totally agree. And obviously going to get more into nutrition in future episodes. But I think focusing on nutrition for some people is more important than getting to the gym just because, you know, people think, oh, I need to go to the gym to get eight-pack abs. But what are you eating? I mean, obviously, that's a whole other rabbit hole. People are always asking, like, well, what's the percentage? We know, like, abs are made in the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah, they are. It's important. But it's really just finding out the right ratio and, and figuring out how much you can push your body to have that positive stress effect. It's all about the balance of stress, positive and negative. Yeah. All right. So I think we've really driven home the idea that we need to be recovered. So let's go ahead and jump into our eight tips for better recovery. Starting off, number one is to alternate your training days with recovery days. Or if you really want to work out every day, we definitely recommend alternating energy systems. So that's aerobic versus anaerobic. So make sure you're really scheduling in those days for recovery, things like yoga, maybe Tai Chi. And I always recommend looking at your schedule like a week ahead of time and seeing, okay, what days are the most stressful? You know, if you have a really insane day at work on Tuesday, probably not the best day to do a CrossFit workout, but just plan like a week ahead the best you can. And number two, listen to your body. We are going to keep telling you this as biohackers, but you have to be aware of what's going on in your body. The more you can tune in, the more you're going to learn and the greater success you will have. Can I just jump in real quick? 
that sort of contradicts the first rule, uh, having a plan for your workout. Like that is great. I think you should definitely lay down a plan, but also you need to be flexible with yourself. And if you wake up on a day when you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z for your workout, because you said today, I'm going to go hard, but you wake up and feel like crap. Listen to that. Oh yeah. I think that's a really good point just to be flexible with your schedule. And I've experienced this a lot where I plan to have a day off or maybe a recovery day where I'm doing yoga at home, but then I wake up and I see my HRV score is phenomenal. So I'm like, hmm, I guess I'll go do a really intense workout today. And I do, and then I feel really good. So definitely being flexible is really helpful. Oh, so you do have a plan B. You have an intense workout. You have options. So you don't wake up going, what am I going to do? This is not how I I plan for it. I mean, planning is key. I think for me, just planning an hour or an hour and a half of where I can exercise each day, just having that time blocked out and then I can be flexible. You know, do I sign up for Orange Theory last minute and run over there? Or maybe I just stay home and do yoga. So yeah, I definitely have a plan B. All right. Number three, you have to track everything. So we've already said earlier, you know, looking at your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, your body temperature. So using all these different measurements to track your body because you have to be able to track it in order to hack it, right? That's the biohacker way. Number four is sleep. This is not the first time you've heard that sleep is good for recovery, but another tip for sleep is that you actually want to aim for a 10 o'clock bedtime because we know that between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., we get a lot of that rejuvenation and repair in the body. So it's actually better to sleep from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. than 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. A lot of research has found that even though it's still eight hours, the timing of it actually makes a big difference, mostly because of your circadian rhythm, which we're going to dive into in our next episode. And Lauren, I know this one scares you because you're working so late at the theater. It's hard to do. But I try to do it. But it's funny talking to all of my actor friends that are like, oh, I sleep nine I definitely sleep nine hours, but I go to bed at 3 a.m. I'm like, how do you feel? They're like, "Mm, not so good. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely feel the difference. Even if I get 10 hours of sleep, it doesn't matter if I went to bed at like 3 a.m. Yeah, the circadian cycle is super important. We'll talk more about that soon. Uh, So number five is acupuncture, massage, and foam rolling. So anything you can do to the muscle tissue and fascia to unwind the stress. Definitely better than just static stretching. I think you can foam roll pretty frequently. I guess there's some schools of thought out there that foam rolling can be a little aggressive to the body. Use your brain. Do it feels right to your body. Um, Infrared sauna is awesome. It will heat your body directly. So it's different than a typical sauna, which heats the air around you and then eventually gets into your your body's tissue. Infrared is just way more efficient and quick. It's going to go right into your muscle tissue. It stimulates heat shock proteins. It's going to trigger that inflammatory process that we need for healing. And it's going to improve some blood circulation. Number seven, this might be new for some of you, avoiding caffeine post-workout. So caffeine spikes your cortisol, working out spikes your cortisol. So what you don't want after a workout is to continue to spike your cortisol when you need to immediately start recovering. So we're trying to clear that cortisol so that the body can go into anabolic mode, which is your rest and recovery. So I do coffee before, avoid it after. 
And then the last one, pre, post, workout, nutrition, specificity. We talked about this a little bit, not eating crap before and after, especially after because of the leaky gut issue. We are going to do a full episode on this. You can send us your specific questions, but what you're eating and when has a lot to do with the results that you're going to get from work. Those are awesome tips, Lauren. Love those. Yeah. I just wanted to say about the caffeine thing. I think I hear a lot of people say like, oh, let's go grab coffee after our workout. But for me, honestly, I do not crave coffee or any caffeine after I work out. And I guess it's probably because of the cortisol reaction, right? My cortisol is still so high. So, oh gosh, no, like coffee is the last thing I would want after a workout. Yeah, same. But I I think that's sort of like a learned pattern. I don't think viewers tuned into that. So maybe having that knowledge will help a little bit. We also wanted to talk about our upgraded recovery hacks. So these are a little bit pricier, but definitely worth looking into. So number one, stem cell therapy or peptides are incredible for recovery. Now you definitely have to work with a specialized practitioner for this, but it's an incredible option that's getting more popular every day. And even though stem cell therapy is pretty expensive at the moment, peptides are a really great, much more affordable option for people. And I also just wanted to point out, there's one that's incredible for soft tissue repair called BPC-157. And actually a lot of athletes are using it. So that's pretty cool. Also, number two is PEMF and vibration plate. I think vibration plate, a lot of people have seen these and they're pretty familiar with, but PEMF is actually less known, but if you haven't heard of it, definitely look it up online. It's called Pulse Electromagnetic Fields. And this therapy, I actually had an amazing personal experience with it. Long story short, I healed my back injury almost in like three days. I could barely walk or stand without being in pain. And in just three days, I had kind of a miraculous result from using the PEMF. So that's definitely one of my favorite upgraded hacks. Yeah. And depending on where you live, I know New York has many places where you can access these vibration plates are in a lot of gyms right now. There's a lot of studios that specialize in EMS and, uh, PEMF pulse centers, which is, that's a specific company. They are opening locations rapidly. Yeah, definitely. Pulse centers is amazing. But Lauren, you're so fortunate to be in New York because you have access to so many of these therapies I mean, we don't really have this in Vegas yet. It's coming. It's coming. It's all growing. It's really exciting that this stuff is quickly infiltrating, especially big, bigger cities. Number three for upgraded hacks, cryotherapy. So unlike the infrared sauna, you're activating cold shock proteins that will trigger amino acids and growth hormone production, which is what we talked about your body producing when you're sleeping. So this is really cool. It's pretty miserable being in a cryo chamber, it's three minutes of super intense cold stimulation, but you can do anything for three minutes and you're, you're getting these, uh, amino acids and growth hormones that you really have to sleep for eight hours to get. So that's going to protect your muscle from tissue damages. It's basically cleaning out the garbage that you created from the workout stress. Number four is one of our favorites, the juve red light or any red light therapy. It can be compared to a a sauna. The red light is actually going into your cell's mitochondria and it's going to make everything work better. 
So we're creating antioxidants that reduce oxidative stress from exercise, which is associated with muscle fatigue. The antioxidants also create the heat proteins that protect your cells from stress and from early cell death. I love to use this actually morning and night. If I have something that's hurting me, I'll put it directly on there. Otherwise, it has a great systemic effect if you're just exposing the entire body. Yes, I love my red light. Oh, it's the best. And I was actually reading an article last night about this UFC fighter that uses the juve. He swears by it for cutting down on inflammation and speeding up his recovery time. So I thought that was pretty cool to hear. Yeah, there's a lot of products out there. I mean, Juve is our favorite company, but I've seen uh, devices on Amazon. They have a lot of like handheld devices now, so you can take them everywhere you go. Juve makes full body lights. Juve just came out with a handheld one that you can travel with. Yeah, Juve Go. And I just want to say there are a lot of red light therapy devices on the market And I'm certainly not an expert in red light therapy, but I would highly recommend that you do your research if you do want to buy a unit. Now, I can stand behind Juve. I've done my research. I've met the creators. I've personally used it for over a year. So I love Juve, but if you wanted to go with a different brand, I would just recommend that you really do your research. Yeah, me too. I'm with you on that. Okay, so quickly, our favorite hacks. Let's just go through and... Renee, tell me your... Well, you made me pick three, which was really hard. But I have to say, number one is obviously my aura ring. I know I have talked about that so much this episode, but it's just so helpful for me. I love waking up in the morning. I plug it in and I see what my score is for the day. And then I can totally determine what my day is going to look like, what my my workout's going to be. So definitely the aura ring is number one. And number two has to be my hyper ice foam roller. It's basically just a vibrating foam roller. So I kind of call it the foam roller on steroids. It is incredible. If I use it before and after a workout, especially if I'm running a lot, it just like breaks up the muscle tissue and it feels so amazing. That thing is crazy. I love it so much, (laughs) but I have wooden floors, so I can't use it like too late at night if my roommate is sleeping because it vibrates the whole floor. Oh my gosh, I know. I actually do mine upstairs and it literally shakes my entire apartment. <laughs> I guess that speaks to its success. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels really good. Yeah, it feels so amazing. All right, so my final favorite, although I'm going to cheat and make it actually kind of two, but it's Two supplements. So they're in the same category. And actually, both supplements are from a company called Keon. The first one is called Keon Flex. And I like this for its anti-inflammatory properties. So it has a couple different herbs, and then it has proteolytic enzymes that help to break down that fibrinogen. I actually don't take it right after a workout because you want a little bit of that inflammation then. So I personally take it either in the morning on an empty stomach or I'll take it at night right before bed. So I find that I can recover much faster when I take that. And then the other product I really like is Keon Aminos, which are essential amino acids, which are very different from branch chain amino acids. Do not get those mixed up. But I personally like taking this right after a workout. I just mix it in a little bit of water. So I'm getting that amino acid dose right after my workouts, getting right into my system and into my muscles. And I know some people like using this product in the morning so they can do a fasted workout, which is pretty cool. That was more than three, but fine. We love this stuff, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) My three, uh, cortisol testing. 
think it's really helpful to check in and see where your cortisol levels are just to see how exercise is affecting you or just stress in your daily life. There's a lot of environmental factors, what we eat, blah, 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 that cause stress. If your cortisol is not in a healthy rhythm, all of your gym efforts are not going to be what you want them to be. So great to check in. I would recommend Dutch testing. Also, I do functional diagnostic nutrition has a four saliva cortisol test throughout the day. Message me if you're interested in that. I'm going to pick Juve. We already talked about it, but I, I'm obsessed with my Juve. It's always on morning and night. And then my third one is uh, maybe a little silly. It's a yoga pose called Legs Up the Wall. Gosh, can I remember the, the actual Sanskrit name? I'm just going to call it Legs Up the Wall. <laughs> yeah, I say Legs Up the Wall. Oh, here it is. It's Viparita Karani. Who knows if I'm saying that right? Doesn't matter. It's legs up the wall. So I lay with the back of my, I guess, glutes against the wall. My legs just go straight up. It's similar to the effects that you get from an inversion. So you're getting sort of like a decompression from the effects of gravity. Your blood is is pulling away from your legs. It's going to calm the nervous system, which we want after a workout. So it's going to help you get into that rest and recovery mode more quickly. It feels really good. Sometimes I match that with like a little muse meditation. And that's really easy. Well, I guess you can't lay anywhere, but hopefully wherever you work out, there's a little wall space and just throw your legs up there for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, those are my three. It's free. It is free. So let's wrap up the episode with our Q&A. We did get one question and that was, which is better post-workout? eating a protein-rich meal or taking amino acids? Oh, are we asking either or? Like if you could only take one? Yeah, I think that's how I'm hearing it. I'm going to say I'm not sure about this one. My, my initial response would be it really comes down to quality. What's the quality and the source of the protein you're eating? And then also what's the quality and source of the supplement that you're taking? Renee, we take the Keon essential amino acids, which we trust is a a really quality product. I want to say I would probably, if I had to, choose the amino acids. And also there's just a lot of debate on what we should be eating after a workout. And I'm going to say it's really individual. Some people can fast after a workout. It depends if you fasted pre-workout. I don't think you have to eat immediately. It's really person dependent. You have to find out what works for you. So I'm going to say, yeah, aminos. Yep. I would agree with that, but I would only do the essential amino acids, not the branch chain amino acids. Right. And I don't know if we already broke this down, but the branch chain amino acids are your body makes those. So if you're taking them in, you're sort of shutting down your body's natural response to create them. Is that right? Right. So your body can't produce these essential amino acids, but they are essential. Your body does need them for so many things in the body. And the cool thing about the Kian Aminos is there's a 99% utilization rate. And you may be wondering like what that really means, but just to give you a comparison, like egg protein, the utilization rate is around 48%. And then for animal protein, other meats, it's even lower. So that's like how much of the protein your body is actually using. And then my other concern is after a workout, you know, by the time you get home and you cook your food and then you sit down and you eat it, it's like, oh my gosh, how much time has gone by since your workout versus the amino acids, you just mix in water, it's right into your body immediately. So I think that's much better. 
Oh yeah, that's a great point. Cool. So hopefully that answers that question. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. We're going to get into circadian code in our next podcast. If you have more questions about recovery, we'll do a bunch more episodes about this stuff, actually the pre and post-workout nutrition. Send us your questions. We really appreciate you hanging in and listening to us and supporting us. Yes, thank you so much. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.